This is the Doubles Only Tennis Podcast, where you learn the best tips and strategies in the world to help you become a smarter, more effective tennis player. You'll hear interviews with pro tour doubles players and coaches, including easy-to-use lessons to improve your game and win more matches. My name is Will Bocek, founder of the Tennis Tribe, doubles strategy coach, and host of the show. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. Today I'm going to answer a listener's questions here on the podcast. Um, I got an email recently from Joanna, who's a 5-0 doubles player uh, with a lot of experience, and she uh, read the doubles guide, which I, I'd recommend you check out um, if you haven't seen it already. Just go to thetennistribe.com, and right there on the homepage, you can enter your email and you get it for free. Um, but it's it's all about net play and how to move on the court. Um, so she read that and then had a lot of follow-up questions that I am going to cover here um, on the podcast because it was too many questions to answer uh, over an email. And I think it's going to be really helpful for all of you as well. So to start, um, her first question was uh, in mixed strategy when the guy is incredible and takes 80% of the balls, uh, what should you do? So uh, I've played against teams like this before. Um, I'm sure most of you have as well. Uh, a lot of times it'll be a, a USTA league, say 9-0, where you're playing a 5-0 guy and a 4-0 girl, or an 8-0, you can play a 4-5 guy and a 3-5 girl. Um, how do you handle this? How do you handle um, when the guy is just really, really good and he takes 80% of the balls? So uh, my first question for Joanna would be, Uh, which side is the guy playing on? Um, If he's playing on the ad side, then he's going to be able to cover probably more court because his forehand's in the middle. Uh, And that's typically the case. Uh, If he's on the deuce side, then you can play a little bit more probably through the middle of the court and just give him more backhands. And if if the girl who's a little bit weaker um, hits some of those balls as forehands, then that's going to be okay. But Uh, That would be my first question. Uh, The second thing I think about when I'm playing a team like this is uh, for the guys serve. So when we're returning, um, your mindset needs to be just to get the ball back, especially on first serves, um, because typically they're going to have really, really good serves. And um, you've just got to get the ball in play and hope that one or two games during the match, uh, it goes to the the girl at the net and she misses a volley or it goes back to the guy and he somehow misses a a ground stroke or a volley or or whatever it may be. So your goal on his serve has got to be just to get the ball in play. Um, Ideally, uh, some of those games, maybe he misses some first serves and depending on the second serve strength, you can step in and and hit a little bit harder and apply a little pressure. But Typically on the guy's serve, you're not going to be winning the majority of those games uh, if he has a really good serve. So you got to think about just trying to get them in and, and just trying to stay in the game. So that said, uh, you're probably not going to win more than maybe one uh, of his service games. Um, so on her serve, you have to view it as kind of a must-win uh, service game. And the way I think about this um, and I was at a 9-0 sectionals recently. I played um, a few teams that were a 5-0 guy and a 4-0 girl. And 
Um, the way I like to think about this is, is when the girl is serving, um, you've got to really focus on not missing the returns. Don't give her any free points. Uh, but the problem is this guy's at the net, and if he is really aggressive, um, which I tend to be if I'm playing with a 4-0 girl, uh, then it can force a lot of errors. So how do you counter that? Um, one great way to counter it is just to step forward a lot and take away the guy's time. So you're stepping forward, which means you're not going to take as big of a swing on the return. You're really going to almost block the return back and just get it back cross court uh, with a little bit of depth <clears throat> back to the girl if you can. And then you'll get into the point and you'll you'll be at an advantage because um, you can return and volley from there. Uh, you can return and stay back. But regardless, you've got the ball past the guy at the net uh, and the girl's hitting a ground stroke against the two of you. So really focusing on not missing the returns uh, and getting it past the guy at the net. Um, another option is to lob down the line if he's uh, super aggressive. Um, and uh, that can be really effective to neutralize him at the net as well. So that's how I think about mixed strategy uh, in that situation. Uh, next, we're going to cover when um, when you're playing great lobbers, how do you handle that? So I've got some content already on how to beat a team that lobs, and I've I've kind of tweaked my philosophy on this over the years. Um, some of this is going to be familiar with uh, to some of you who have listened for a while. Some of this might be a little bit new. Um, but I'll link uh, to our YouTube video and uh, previous podcast on how to beat lobbers um, in the show notes. But the first key with lobbers is you've got to stay patient. They just totally, the way they win matches is by their opponents missing. So you've got to really focus on staying consistent and staying patient and not missing. Um, it's very tempting if they you know, float a serve or float a short ball to try to hit a winner off it. Um, but in a lot of cases, that's a bad idea because you're going for too much and you're going to miss, you know, four out of ten or, or six out of 10 of those. Um, and you're going to end up losing the match and getting really frustrated. So number one is really to stay patient. Um, number two is figure out your best uh, kind of one up, one back combo. So are you better at the baseline or is your partner better at the baseline? Are you better at the net or is your partner better at the net? And then figure out how to get into that situation. So you might play two back on your return if your partner's better at the baseline and then you return and volley. Or you might play two back on your serve and you serve and volley if your partner's better at the baseline. So figure out your best combo and get into that immediately. Um, the thing with lobbers is they don't really beat you. So you've got time to, to kind of get into your ideal situation. Um, you can even, uh, you know, try to get into your best one up, one back combo in terms of deuce and add. So I like to be at the net in the add court. So if I'm serving in the deuce court, I might serve and volley and my partner will stay back uh, and we'll play two back on my serve. And I might just shift over to the add court uh, on the first ball and my partner will rally from the deuce court and we're immediately in our best combination. So figure out which of those combinations you're best in and then just get into that in the first couple shots of the rally. Uh, Cause typically you're going to have time, like I said, since they're, they're not really going to be going for winners or, or trying to beat you um, uh, too badly. 
Um, and then the last thing you want to do is really find their weakness. So this is, you know, this is true of any team, right? You want to be searching, you know, is their forehand better than their backhand? Do they prefer to hit their forehand inside out or across their body? Uh, same for their backhand. Um, do they prefer pace? Do they prefer low balls? Do they prefer height? All these things. Um, so typically with a lobber, um, they like pace and they like when you hit uh, with depth against them. Um, not always, but but a lot of times. They love to sit you know, five feet or more behind the baseline and just throw up lobs. So you can uh, chip the ball short and low and try to bring them in. Uh, you can figure out, um, are they better at lobbing off their forehand side or their backhand side and hit it to that side? Uh, and you can figure out which player is the weaker lobber as well. And you have to really stay patient to try to figure this out early in the match. And then once you do, you start to kind of work the ball around, adjust your pace, adjust your depth, adjust your height accordingly. And typically what you'll find is they will have some kind of weakness that um, when they lob, it lands a little bit shorter and you can hit an overhead to set up another ball or uh, get a short forehand to set up the next ball, uh, things like that. So um, you really want to be kind of experimenting early in the match to find their weakness and uh, and get forward and then really finish the point off. Um, there was a match a few years ago that I played against uh, a couple of lobbers who were um, good players, and, and my partner and I kind of set a rule for ourselves that we're not allowed to go for a winner unless we're within five feet of the net. Um, so even a short, high forehand from the service line we'd always use it to set up the next ball. So we'd play it just deep through the middle of the court uh, with good spin. Um, and typically that next ball would come back short. Um, so uh, you can create rules like that for yourself to kind of constrain yourself from trying to overhit uh, and, and playing into their game. But um, hopefully this helps you uh, next time you're out there against the lobber. Uh, in the next, um, the next question from Joanna was, uh, when the server has incredible ground strokes and it's tough to get in to the net, uh, what do you do? So if you're playing someone with really good ground strokes and it's tough to get to the net, uh, the first thing I would think about is, uh, do you really need to get to the net? Um, one up, one back is okay in doubles. Um, you don't have to get to the net every time. Uh, but if that's where you're comfortable, then, um, there's a few things you can do. One, uh, the problem with trying to get to the net against someone with really good ground strokes or a really good return if you're trying to serve and volley is that you just don't have time and you end up uh, you end up hitting a volley from around, say, the service line area or maybe a little behind it or a little in front of it, and you're trying to hit it from your, your ankles or your knees. You know, it's, it's kind of a really tough half volley. So how do we get around that? How do we buy ourselves more time? Uh, so you can hit a slower ball, you can chip it um, or hit a slice to the opponent to buy yourself some time because it's going to get to them a little bit slower. Uh, so then it's going to come back to you a little bit uh, slower typically as well. Uh, you can also lob or hit just high, heavy topspin deep in the court. That'll push them back. And if they're making contact from further back in the court, it's going to take more time for that ball to get to you at the net. So you'll have more time to get in. So that's the first thing to think about. Um, 
like I said, one up, one back is okay, but if they do have incredible ground strokes, then you probably don't want to get into a cross-court rally with them. So uh, you want to redirect. Um, if you do have to play one back, uh, one up, one back, cross-court with them, you want to try to redirect at their partner on the first chance you get or get to the net on the first chance you get. Um, because if it's a bad matchup in the cross-court rally, We've got to find a way to get out of that. Um, another option is for your partner uh, to poach at the net um, the first chance that they get. Uh, against younger players, especially, um, like if I uh, if I play against you know a doubles team that was in college, say three or four years ago, um, what I find with them is using junk can work, um, and this is up to a certain level, right? If they played like high level D one. Um, they're going to be too good. It's it's not going to work. But uh, at the five zero level, um, as well as you know four five four zero three five, and so on. Younger players typically um, ha- they they like pace, and they're used to just hitting heavy, hard ground strokes from the baseline. That's what they want. So if you can just kind of junk it up a little bit, um, slice slice the ball, you know, angle it off the court. Um, hit, you know, high lobs, things like that. Uh, They don't like that off pace stuff and you can force a lot of errors that way um, or at least get some short balls that you can attack. So I find that that works against younger players. Um, And then the other thing to think about is uh, formations. So when you're serving, uh, can you use I or Australian formation to get them to hit their ground strokes down the line instead of cross court? So Typically against players who have good ground strokes, if they're mostly doubles players, they like to rally cross-court in a particular direction because most teams they play against don't ever use I-formation or Australian formation. They just use traditional regular formation and doubles. So let's say this person's in the ad court. They have awesome ground strokes. That means they're going to have a great inside-out forehand uh, and maybe a great cross-court backhand. So if you can play I formation or Australian and have your partner go left, you can get in a down the line rally with them where they have to hit their forehand inside in, which is going to be a little bit weaker for them in a lot of cases. Um, I see this from the club level all the way to some of the top players in the world. So like Jack Sock, for example, you do not want him hitting inside out forehands. But if you can get him in a down the line rally, he's not quite as potent. He's not his forehand's not quite as deadly uh, because he's hitting it more across his body. So um, if you can get them to get in that down the line rally, it creates a little bit better matchup for you. And if you're right-handed, uh, you're serving and then you're shifting over and you have a forehand, which is a little bit easier for you. Um, and then again, same thing there. You can lob cross court from that spot to try to get into the net. You can chip the ball Um things like that to to buy yourself some time to get forward. So the next question is, I have a partner who's afraid of big hitters and camps out in the doubles alley or stays back and there's no convincing her otherwise. So when I have a partner who camps out in the doubles alley, what I'll typically do is ask them to play closer to the middle and closer to the net. So if they're right on top of the net, even if the opponent's hitting really big, um, it can be scary. But if they just get a racket on the ball, 
it doesn't have to be a clean volley. And a lot of times they'll shank it over and it'll be a winner. Um, and then typically even big hitters were taught to avoid hitting at the net person. So if they can even cover just a little bit more, stand in the center of that service box um, and stand close to the net, usually the big hitters are still going to avoid uh, the net player. Now, that doesn't take into account that you mentioned uh, there's no convincing her otherwise. So in that case, um, first of all, she needs to start practicing her volleys against pace. Um, So she should stand at the net, have someone stand uh, inside the service line at the back and just feed balls at her. And she needs to work on her reaction volleys um, to get more confident uh, in this case. Um, If not, then uh, just have her stay back. I think that's okay, um, especially against big hitters. Uh, It can be tough to uh, react to the volleys all the time. So it can be good to stay back um, and even play two back sometimes and just almost push until they miss. Because if they're a big hitter, they're relying on their pace to uh, make you miss. And if you can stay back by yourself time to handle their pace, absorb it, block the ball back, try to keep the ball deep in the court, um, eventually they're going to miss because they're hitting so big. So that's the that's the main kind of strategy in this case against uh, against big hitters. So the next question is, what if you have a partner who isn't very mobile? So there's two options here, uh, and it kind of depends on the other team. Um, for me, the, the, the question or the thing that I like to know is, can the other team lob or are they willing to lob? Um, I had a match uh, last year. It was a mixed doubles match. And my partner wasn't super mobile, uh, but she was decent from the baseline. She, she was pretty solid. Um, but she couldn't cover, you know, if, if the opponents hit down the line on me while I was poaching, um, she wasn't going to be able to cover that. But in this case, they didn't lob me um, for whatever reason. They They just never figured out that they should be lobbing me. Uh, so they were hitting ground strokes cross court with my partner. Um, and then first chance I got, I would poach and they'd either redirect down the line. They definitely beat me on some, uh, but they missed a lot. Uh, and then sometimes I would poach and be able to put, put the ball away. Um, if they had figured out how to lob me, which there was another match earlier this year where that was the case. Um, and I was playing with somebody who wasn't quite as mobile uh, and at the net, I was just totally neutralized. Um, they just lobbed me down the line. There was nothing I could do. My partner could sometimes get over to it because it was a lob. It was a little slower, um, but we were always on defense. So in that case, um, what I decided to do is put my partner up at the net and I had to stay at the baseline and cover everything and kind of dictate. And like I said a minute ago, most players are taught to avoid hitting at the net player. So I had my partner in this case stand really close to the net again um, in the, the center of the service box, sometimes closer to the alley, depending on the situation. Uh, and it was essentially c- kind of like a one-on-two drill. Um, I was at the baseline rallying against the two opponents, and I just had to try to dictate as much as I could with my forehand uh, and get forward on uh, any opportunity that that I could. So if I got a short forehand, um, I would try to you know hit heavy through the middle or angle it off the court or whatever it may be, and then come forward to put away the next ball. Um, so 
with somebody who isn't very mobile, those are the two options that I see um, and that have worked best for me. Next is uh, a lot of partners who don't close in front of the service line. So uh, I think what you mean is they they get to the net and then they stop um, around the service line area or maybe just inside it, and then they end up having volleys around their ankles or knees and they, they have to pop the ball up. Um, there's really not a good, a good answer to this. Um, they need to be playing smarter and, and closing into the net more. Um, I'd recommend if they just absolutely won't do that, just have them stay back. Um, cause they will be typically a liability, uh, if they're standing around the service line area for any extended time during the point. Um, you're really not a threat there at the net. Uh, and then you're, trying to pick up balls off of your your ankles, which is a very defensive uh, kind of tough situation to be in. So I would, if you can, try to convince them uh, that y'all are going to be best with that person back and then maybe you up at the net. And then the last question is, uh, how do you play with a partner who is weaker and they get picked on? Um, I have a lot of content on this. I'll link to it in the show notes. Um, but the uh, the options are similar to playing with somebody who isn't uh, super mobile. So you can put them at the net really close. Um, and like I said, hope that they can uh, react to some volleys. And um, even if they shank some volleys, they'll go over the net if they're standing right on top of the net. Uh, and then hopefully the opponent just avoids the net player, like I said. Um, but the, the thing I would think about with a weaker partner also is... Um, what is their strength and, and figure out how you can allow them to uh, accentuate that strength. So if they prefer their forehand, put them in the deuce court and then you cover everything in the middle with your forehand, assuming you're both right-handed. Um, and that way, you know, if the opponents are picking on your weaker partner, at least they're picking on your partner's strength. So you might not win the majority of the points with them hitting a forehand, but you'll win more than you otherwise would have uh, if they were in the ad court hitting backhands. Um, the other thing you have to think about is how much risk you need to take on as the stronger player. So if your weaker partner is the weakest player on the court uh, and you're about level with the other two players, then y'all are going to be, you know, if you add it all up, y'all are going to be a weaker team. Um, so, if you think about the the UTR rating system, if if I'm a an eight and then the two players on the other side of the net are eights and my partner's a six, we're a 14 and we're playing against a 16 team. So we're not supposed to win the match. So to win that match, you have to take on more risk. So that means you might have to uh, go for more on your volleys at the net. You might have to hit your forehand a little bigger. You might have to go for a few more service winners, things like that. Um, so that's an important question as well. Is, is your partner the, the weaker player between you two or the weakest player on the court? Um, and that should kind of decide or dictate how, uh, how much risk you want to take on with each of your shots. So again, I'll link to more resources uh, in the show notes, but hopefully this was uh, helpful. Thanks, Joanna, for um, all the uh, all the great questions and uh, podcast ideas. Uh, and anyone listening, if you have specific questions you want me to cover on the podcast. Uh, I love doing these Q&A episodes. Um, they're a lot of fun for me 
uh, and definitely go to the website and check out the uh, the Devil's Guide on Netplay strategy as well. So thanks again for listening, and I will talk to you in the next episode. If you're a doubles player, you'll love our weekly strategy newsletter. Every Thursday, I send you my best doubles tips, tactics, and strategies that you can use in your very next match. And when you sign up, I'll also send you a free 20-page ebook that has my favorite doubles tactics for forcing errors and getting more easy volleys at the net. Go to thetennistribe.com newsletter to sign up now.